only 18% of the economy is being unleashed by 50% of India's population. So where are India's women? You're not the only platform focused on this. And every platform pretty much has the same mission and vision. Why do we need women? I mean, let them stay at home and take care of the kids. You know. Why bother their pretty little heads with finance and things like that? From a business standpoint, it also seems, are you fragmented? The adventures of female founders raising money. You're projecting it for the last year. Our net cash burn will end up being close to that number. That's exactly right. Would any equity investor not look for the right valuation? We really want to see you succeed also. When we ask them, you're the brightest and the best people in the country. Why do you need a community? Welcome, uh, Divya and Madhura, to uh, episode 6 of the Barbershop uh, Season 2, Razor's Edge. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time and coming uh, to us. And, uh, uh, you know, especially Delhi winters, is a is, we wanted something super energetic to get the day going because it's otherwise a very foggy, dull kind of uh, mornings which we struggle with. But uh, welcome. Um, my name is Shantanu Deshpande. Uh, along with running... Uh, the barber shop. I am the founder and CEO of Bombay Shaving Company and Bombay. Uh, but today's context is we are looking for amazing founders building amazing companies such as yourself. Uh, we have around 75 investors who are participating with us. The four of us represent them in a way. That list is in front of you. And uh, today we would love to get to know Aspire for her and your stories in a little more depth so that we can figure out whether we can work together or not. So welcome and thank you and I'll hand it over to the to the others in no particular order. Hi, uh, I'm, I'm Arjun. Uh, I'm a board member at uh, Bombay Shaving Company. Uh, I work at uh, Reckit, uh, and the areas that I work on are e-commerce, digital, uh, venture capital, and greater China. Uh, super delighted to be here. Uh, I'm a big supporter of the startup ecosystem uh, in multiple countries, and uh, delighted to always meet founders. Lovely. Hi, I'm Ashu Suyash. I'm the founder and CEO of Colosa Ventures. It's a new investments ecosystem for women entrepreneurs. So welcome. Uh, I really feel that uh, women entrepreneurs need fair amount of support across capital capability and confidence building. And that's why I gave up a career of over 33 years to set this up, simply because I find Powering other businesses a lot more powerful than continuing to run a business or set up one myself. Uh, in addition to Kalosa, I'm also on the board of Kotak Mahindra Bank and Hindustan Unilever. Delighted to meet with you all today and delighted to be with the three of you. Phenomenal. So I'm really looking forward to you being here uh, today. Of course, Arjun and Toshan I know for many years, but I'm glad that you're with us today. Thank you. Hi, I'm Toshan. Uh, I'm here as a note taker for Shantanu. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't take notes, so you need something uh, to make sure that the minutes of the meeting and so on are captured uh, from an investment standpoint. Uh, I used to be with McKinsey for a few years and uh, now I'm the chief strategy officer of UPL. Uh, love to meet with founders and cause it just gives me so much joy and, and learning and uh, lots of coffee and tea. <laughs> So I'll get started. I'm Madhura Das Gupta Sinha, founder and CEO of Aspire for Her. Uh, I was a banker for 25 years uh, and I was with the ANZ Greenlay, Standard Chartered and IDFC. Uh, joined IDFC before they became a bank, uh, just after RBI gave away the two banking licenses as employee number four. And uh, started Aspire for Her on Women's Day 2020 because I was very disappointed with the gender data emanating from India. Uh, India is third from the bottom in a list of 146 countries in terms of the global gender gap index in terms of economic participation of women. I found that to be horrible. Uh, as if that was not bad enough, I saw that the percentage of women in the workforce has been declining for the past 15 plus years from 2005 onwards. And I was seeing the best and the brightest women around me in India and I thought someone needed to do something about this problem. I thought that someone could be me. That's why Aspire for Her was born. I'm Divya Sampath, and uh, uh, Madhura said that she went into banking from, uh, we went to the same campus, so we've known each other since 1994. I spent most of my post-MBA career in technology and consulting, 
and mostly building businesses within other businesses. So sort of a serial entrepreneur, if you will. Um, and my career, I was very fortunate early in my career to get it jump-started during that whole dot-com boom and bust period. I was part of the team with Sifi and I worked for the CEO. Got to be part of a very exciting world where we went to NASDAQ twice and uh, you know, uh, did at the time the largest uh, acquisition, uh, India world acquisition uh, in Indian history up to that point. Um, and I was very lucky to have a seat at that table and be part of that process. Uh, since then, I've worked for a number of extraordinary companies like Cognizant and Microsoft and ServiceNow. Um, and a couple of years ago, uh, it's completely coincidentally, I was sort of questioning, um, what do I really want to do with the next 15, 16 years of my career? Um, while I thoroughly enjoyed every job I've done, and I was fortunate to work with amazing people with amazing companies, and I was learning a lot, uh, I was really starting to think my personal purpose, the three causes that I care deeply about, uh, environment and sustainability, uh, bridging the digital skills divide, because that's the next big inequality thing, and women's issues. And I was starting to think, how do I actually do work that's more aligned uh, to my personal purpose in life? And uh, as I was going through this uh, kind of soul-searching crisis or mid-career crisis or whatever you want to call it, Madhura was starting up Aspire for her. So it was a very, uh, it's been a privilege and an honor to join her on this journey and uh, join actually a whole community of now, what is it, 220,000 women uh, and go on this journey and we're sure we're just getting started. So that's about me. Welcome Madhura Devya. So, so like we're uh, very happy to have you and would love to get into what the business is about and what you've built over the last couple of years. Fantastic. So before we start, I think uh, we have a little something for all four of you. Uh, and we have two of our young colleagues who are here. Uh, so we'd love to hand that over to, uh, to all of you. And uh, sure. this is what we call a little entrepreneurial hamper. Uh, what is entrepreneurial? Entrepreneurial is one of the communities uh, that we have built at Aspire for Her. It's one of the 15 communities that we have built. And uh, as the name suggests, it is women entrepreneurs and aspiring women entrepreneurs. So I think you will like some of them at Razor's Edge as well. Okay. And we'd love to make that happen. But uh, my young mm. colleagues are here, Aditi and Tanvi, and uh, they would just love to hand sure. over this hamper to you. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Entrepreneurial. Yeah, so, yeah. so um, like I said, uh, you know, if you look at slide number two, which, is, uh, which actually talks about uh, the statistics, the gender data, etc., cetera, um, it is uh, sad that uh, you know, India's half of India's population, more than half of India's population actually now, is contributing to so little of the economy. Um, on one side, we're seeing that, which seems to be an irony of sorts. More, men, more women than men are graduating. Um, and somehow that's not translating into economic prosperity for our country, for our society, and for our families. On the other hand, we're seeing institutions and corporates, investors, uh, very, very interested in ESG. And what is ESG? The S in GSG, ESG at the center of that S is DEI, which is diversity, equity, and inclusion. And somehow the twain is not meeting. So at Aspire for Her, that's what we are trying to do. We are trying to build an ecosystem. We're trying to build a company where organizations, institutions, investors, all of them will also find a space where the true potential for Indian women can be unleashed. Uh, we move to the next slide. And uh, this is really at the bottom right-hand corner, bottom left-hand corner, we've actually talked about the fact that only 18% of the economy is being uh, uh, you know, unleashed by 50% of India's population. Uh, so where are India's women? Uh, companies want, to, uh, want them as customers. Uh, universities want to train them. Uh, uh, you know, uh, people want to buy from them. Customers want to buy from them. Uh, but we're not seeing enough of Indian women, and that is the challenge that we're trying to solve. What we also realize is that McKinsey calls this, and all of you, many of ex-McKinsey uh, guys are here, McKinsey calls this a trillion-dollar opportunity as per their power of parity report. And to unleash that trillion-dollar opportunity, we also feel that there is a huge market potential, and we've tried to talk about the target addressable market here across three broad verticals, of employment, entrepreneurship, and education, which leads to one of these two. And that itself is also north of a billion dollars. We are trying to address that market to get women into one of these three E's. We move forward from here. 
And now I introduce to you my pride and privilege to introduce Aspire for Her to you. It is a platform by women, for women, of women. We want to add a million women to the workforce by 2025. We want to add 10 million women to the workforce by 2030. Does that solve the problem that we set out to solve? No. It just about scratches the surface of the problem. Uh, we're acutely conscious of that. How we are doing this is by using a formula that we formulated and it's called E cubed is equal to MC cubed. Rather cheekily stolen from <laughs> the more famous formula. So uh, very nice framework. Uh, I wanted to understand a few things. Uh, one is that uh, in the four enablers that you've laid out, yes. how do they work in the sense that what is more important, what is less important, how do you wait and spend time on it and are you continuously iterating and adjusting this as you learn along? That's, Absolutely. That's the Absolutely. First, first question. Yes. Second question is mentorship is in general, you know, a very big and abused word or a abused term. How do you ensure that the mentorship is working? How, how, how do you figure out if it is not? How do you have a system in place to make interventions to make sure that it works? Because a lot of times we see in DEI, uh, the female workforce gets assigned mentors and it is it is an assigning of mentors but what happens after that is really the main thing. So how do you maybe quality control it or how, how do you work through this? So if you could just double click on these two areas it would really help. Absolutely. So I'll, let me start with the second one yeah. and you're right that mentorship is a much abused term. Uh, what we do is the minute somebody signs up as a mentor to aspire for as I said we don't go out to mentors. Mentors come to us and say, hey, we want to be part of this. Uh, they get put up on our website and we encourage our members to reach out to those mentors uh, where they see a mirror of their life ahead. And so that's the way it works. So there is interest from the mentee side to obviously reach out to the mentors. Um, and we normally keep it very structured. We keep it two to four sessions, not more okay. than that, of one hour each. Uh, these are all recorded. Uh, not as in recorded, the, the mentorship sessions are not recorded. The fact that the mentorship session is happening is recorded. Okay. And we collect feedback at all points in time, both from the mentor and from the mentee. Uh, we use that feedback to obviously also strengthen our mentorship framework. Uh, but uh, what we realize is that many uh, folks have found it very transformational, um, mentees. Uh, mentors also have found it very transformational. But in some cases, uh, you know, the twain hasn't really met. Hmm. For example, you know, the, the mentor and the mentee haven't really gotten together well or they haven't really got along, gotten along very well with each other. In which case, uh, then, you know, we assign them another mentor um, or maybe we tell the mentor that, you know, if it's not working for you, then perhaps you would like another mentee. And that's the way we do it. So you know, one okay. of the things that we also want to do and why we're seeking a capital is to make the mentorship process more streamlined and to get a little bit of more technology onto the mentorship platform as well. Okay. So like, for example, you said you have a community of 220,000 women. Correct, yes. So how many mentorship sessions do you we do in a, a month? We have a thousand plus mentorship sessions so far. A month so, or no, no, this uh, is no. total, cumulative. Total. It's a very small percentage of people who actually put their hands up for yeah. mentorship. You know, we realize that. Okay. Uh, so we keep, what we try to keep doing is we try to motivate women to also put, put their hand up and say, hey, I need mentorship because people don't understand what they need to do. So hmm. we do a lot of education on our platform as well to say, hey, this mentor and mentee got together and this person was selling Madhubani art and today she's going to NSRCL and she's become a part of, uh, you know, the uh, uh, 10,000 Goldman Sachs Women Pro Program. So we keep sh sharing those success stories as well so that more and more people put their hand up, they shed their inhibitions and put their hand up saying we want okay. to avail of mentorship sessions. Uh, we do find that uh, the reach of a one-to-many mentoring session um, is actually a powerful tool that we hadn't actually realized before we started doing this work. Uh, when we talk about mentoring, I think traditionally we've only talked about one-to-one -one one mentoring relationships. Mm -hmm. uh, we've realized that that certainly is a tool that we want to continue to develop, but one-to-many is also a powerful tool. So, so that's something that we'd like to pick up with you folks at okay. a later stage. And also inhibitions are a lot less in, if you're in a group setting, if the mentees yeah. are all in a group setting. And we see a lot of that happening. And you had another question the, on the, the relative age of our folks. Relative yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, it actually depends, um, Arjun. So basically, it depends on which community we're talking about. And in the next slide, I'm actually going to talk about some of the communities that we have built. Okay. Uh, and I think you'll get a very clear sure. vision uh, you know, once we go through that. And uh, you're going to talk about some of your interventions from a learning point of view. Uh, I notice you use learning and not training. Yes. 
And uh, while you cover these, could you also talk about some of the tools you deploy? Yes. Because end of the day, uh, you know, thinking about careers, it's also best fit. It's very intentional learning. I'll, and I'll keep it short and sweet to start with. It's very intentional learning. It's all about careers. Uh, so unless it is meant to lead you to a career option or to a better career option, uh, you know, we'll, we'll probably not uh, sort of bring them into our fold. So that's the way we're, we're looking at learning. Um, and, you know, moving, moving on to this, your first question uh, about the relative weightage, I'll talk about the 15 odd communities that we have built, at least a sliver of them. And, uh, you know, you'll probably get a sense of how we're using the different uh, pillars differently uh, for most of these communities. So uh, among the 15 communities that we have built, uh, we started with women in college, 18 to 25 year olds. Uh, and women who are very confused about career options. And remember, the time that we were starting was just when the pandemic hit. Mm. Um, so they were confused, uh, plus, but they were also intellectually very open. Um, that's what we started with women in college. We then realized that in the student community, we also have to start with girls in school who are probably 14, 15 years old and taking their calls about whether they should write their engineering entrance exam, whether they should do something else. So that's our student community typically. In the community for women professionals, we have early career, mid-career and senior women leaders. Uh, we're also running a cohort right now of women on boards, uh, people who are aspiring to get into boards. Um, in terms of uh, uh, you know, other, other kind of uh, women who are very, very strong pillars of our community uh, is a whole community called Return to Work. We have 25,000 women uh, who have left the workforce they are wanting to get back, uh, but uh, and we want to give them the top. Companies are looking for them, uh, but the twain doesn't meet. So we have this huge community of returnees. We are speaking to 12 corporates today uh, who are very keen on this talent pool and they want to hire from there. So are you only focused on full-time hires or are you looking at the gig economy as well? We are looking at the gig economy as well. We are very open to all formats of employment. Uh, but we're very sure that we want to create a generation of financially independent women. Uh, so therefore, we want to ensure that it's a meaningful career and it's a career that can put dinner on the table. So just to kind of push you on that dinner on the table, uh, there is a very large set of women in the workforce who leave because they don't see the need anymore for dinner on the table. Correct. But there is a mental gap. So don't you think they need equal motivation to do something? Because you are catering to women of all age groups mm. and across uh, life stages or economic stages. Yes. Yes, we are economic agnostic, and you're absolutely right. Uh, this is exactly what we are trying to do. So, for all of those women who also feel that the need is not there, the idea of a mindset change model is to tell them that there is a need, and we don't do it in a very uh, in-your-face and a very blatant kind of a way. So, all of these pillars that we use are used very subtly, uh, and uh, we found many cases where women probably don't need it economically. Today, they don't need it economically. Uh, but when they hear the stories on the platform, uh, and I'll talk about the not alone community in a bit, so you will you will get where I'm coming from. Uh, it, it sort of emerges uh, in their mind to say that I should be using my education a little better. Uh, I should be doing something. I should be having my own money. Um, the first time when I started Aspire for Her was a very brilliant uh, woman who's my age. Uh, she left her job uh, to bring up her child and she wanted to pay some money for her father's treatment. And uh, she just couldn't because she had no money that she could call her own. Okay, She could have gone to the husband and they get along perfectly well. She didn't want to ask her husband for money. And she realized a, a huge sense of vacuum to say that you know, my parents have done everything for me and today my father is ill. I cannot financially contribute to his treatment because I do not have money of my own. And that is where we tell women never ever give up. And the right time to tell them that is actually at the start. And that's why 18 to 25 year olds form a big part of what we'll do and will continue mm. to form a very big part of what we try to do. There's also this issue, uh, Ashu, and I think it's kind of implied by what you asked and commented, is that uh, we've always uh, had this false idea that it has to be either or. Um, that, uh, you know, when I have a child, uh, I need to quit my job and give up on my career. 
Uh, increasingly, I think organizations are of the view and they're very supportive of uh, people, you know, not only just taking maternity and paternity leave, but also people coming back after break. We talked about our return to work community. Uh, you know, when we were doing the Women on Boards launch uh, uh, last month, um, Arundhati Bhattacharya was our keynote speaker. And she was telling this very interesting story about women that she's seen in her bank. Um, where she was about to, there was this lady who was about to give up on her career because she had a home caregiving crisis and she had to take care of a family member. Uh, and she was about to quit her job. And then she realized that she actually had an opportunity to take a sabbatical instead, which is what she ended up doing. And then didn't give up on her career and went on to have a very stellar and successful career. Uh, increasingly, I think, uh, from an ecosystem perspective, we want to make, we want to inspire more people to realize that they don't, it doesn't have to be either or. So, uh, some of the other communities that we have, which includes women in IITs, IIMs, mm. and uh, Premier B schools, and when 20, all 23 IITs uh, students uh, are in, involved in Aspire for Her, and when we asked them, you are the brightest and the best people in the country, why do you need a community? And they said, every time that we get a job, every time that we get an internship, the boys come and tell us, you got it because of diversity quota. We need a community. <laughs> this is what happens. So um, moving on, uh, another interesting community that we have is, of course, entrepreneurial, because this is not only about employment, it's also about entrepreneurship. We do want to create those job creators and not only job seekers. And uh, a very interesting young woman supports us in entrepreneurial. Her name is Navya Naveli Nanda. She herself is a young entrepreneur, and we were very happy that she chose to speak about us in the 1000th episode of Khan Banega Kroorpati uh, with her grandfather. The community that we started last year after COVID, uh, in May last year after the brutal second wave. Uh, this is a community called Not Alone. Uh, it was a life-changing experience and there mentorship played a very, very big role. It was a very intense form of mentorship, in fact called it anchoring. Many of these women wanted to just leave everything. They were tired of living uh, because suddenly all responsibilities fell on them. And uh, in fact, one of our anchors, one of our mentors got a message very late in the night one day saying, I just want to give up. Uh, I'm going to end it all. And within a few seconds, that message disappeared. And she decided that I can't let it be like this because she had seen the message, but she could not tell her that she had seen the message. And the next day, we had set up a whole series of resources for all of this, for all of the, all the women here. And they had lost their spouses, their parents, and other breadwinners. And uh, we decided that the mental health professional needs to start kicking in. And she made an excuse and said, you need to start talking to the mental health professional. And she made that happen. And today, the same woman, uh, she had three job offers. She selected one. She has done that job for about a year now. And she sent me a message sometime back saying, you know, I think I can earn more. So the 220,000 women uh, how many of them would be tier one cities and how many? So about 60% are from urban India and the uh, rest of it from various different parts of India. Is it urban India or the metros? Metros, metros, typically the six, uh, six metros. Uh, in a sense, as a sort of a bootstrapped young startup, uh, we've uh, chosen the low hanging fruit of metro cities first. It's just easier for us to reach those women and build up certain momentum. Uh, but yeah, it's certainly very much part of our ambition to go uh, deeper, wider into uh, Maybe one uh, sort of reflection and a uh, question. I think you've done amazing work, and as you said, uh, at least only two years uh, old. Uh, so I think I'm very inspired by the stuff that you have done. From a business standpoint, uh, it also seems are you fragmented because you are doing everything from girls so early to women so late to entrepreneurship to employment to learning to exo. How do you think of what is core and, uh, you know, the social impact angle is fine, but from a where, how will you monetize all of this? And yeah, so yeah. I think just helpful to yeah. understand and not like do so many things, but not go uh, deep yeah. into it. So there are actually two, two lines of revenue that we have and I'll probably, uh, you know, and that's very, very, very focused on that. Uh, or you want to, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll start off by answering, I think the implied question in what Toshin said, which is not just the implied question, the explicit part of the question was how do we kind of keep ourselves from getting distracted by in going so into many, many directions. So many problems are interesting and, Absolutely. and, and so on. Absolutely. You're, you're exactly right. So when we think about, for example, a new program or a service, and uh, we do say no more often than we say yes to a new program or a new service or even a new community. Uh, we try to use some three simple rules of thumb in terms of whether we launch a new community or a new program. 
the first thing we think about is, is there a sustainable, substantial market here where we can offer differentiated value as Aspire for her? Secondly, from an execution capability, is this a capability that we either already have or can easily acquire either ourselves or through a close, sustainable, long-term partnership? And thirdly, can we underwrite the initial setup cost by having an anchor customer? Uh, and we have to definitely think hard about doing this. We use these rules of thumb and then we say, okay, can we do this for three years or more? If not, no matter how attractive the partner is, how great a brand name it is, how much you know, publicity it would get us, we won't do it. So basically what we're trying to do is create highly engaged communities with a clear economic output. So when uh, Google uh, comes to us and says, hey, we're looking to hire returning women, uh, we help them put together a program where they will be able to hire those returning women. We will get them 1,000 CVs and we will hand that over to them. That's exactly how we work around attract. Recruit is we have a full-fledged recruitment engine, uh, a fulfillment engine, and we work with uh, one of our XLRI uh, classmates, in fact, and uh, he has this company which has more than 500 people. He works across 20 different countries for the last 15 years. He helps us with the fulfillment piece and we work on a revenue share model. Uh, the third piece is retain, and this is around leadership development, coaching, mentoring of existing women employees in organizations. There are a whole lot of organizations that also seek support in that. But if we see that it marries to our overall theme, then we're happy to help them out with that. These are typically you know, training, learning, these kind of interventions. And there is one second pillar, which is community building. So we help build and grow communities. And some of the names you see here on the right-hand side are the folks who are sponsors of our various communities. So this is just a little bit about two broad yeah. lines. Of so business. who's I, your customer? Who do you look at as your customer? We have actually two, Ashu. One, the organizations that work with us. Uh, they are, of course, our customers. We are 100% B2B as of now. Uh, we haven't really monetized any kind of B2B, B2C sources of revenue. We want to do that at some point in time, but we really want to get a lot stronger and then do that. Um, the other set of our customers, they're not really our customers, but they are very important uh, uh, you know, part of the ecosystem is our community size. But can so I just go deeper? Yes, so, the, so the organizations, is it a number of people placed into times thing? How does that uh, so part each, work? The, each, each is different. Uh, the first one, uh, the, the attract piece, I, I told you about attract, recruit, retain. The attract piece is typically in a retainership model. Yeah. Uh, and they pay us a fixed amount for doing their entire employer branding, positioning, oh, okay. positioning them, them as forward-looking, diversity-friendly employers. And we do that quite effectively. Uh, the second piece is what you said, it's success fee-based. And the third one is also, again, based on a sort retainer. of a retainer model. Or it could be a program-specific, campaign-specific oh. model as well. If you were to take uh, your this year's expected revenue by March, yeah. uh, can you break that up into, like you are saying 100% B2B, but in, yes, in, this, yes. in this form, yes, what it is? Yes, yes, and for, let's say, two years down the line, what that revenue will grow to? I, I, yeah. I'm seeing a chart on revenue growth, but right. how, how are you looking at building revenue, which is, I think, to the question right. Toshan was asking right. on monetization, yes. right. what will it look like in, let's say, FY25? Right. Yeah. You want to take that? Uh, sure. I'll, I'll start off and you can obviously add to that. Uh, so the first question, Shantanu, is this year we'll probably end up at something like a 56% of our total revenue, which will end up at somewhere just under 4 crores, around 3.76 uh, is what's in our forecast as of now. Okay. We'll probably do a little bit better than that, but, you know, we're being conservative. About 56% of that 3.76 comes from our community services uh, model this year. Um, I would like to have a strategy for my gender diversity. Aspire for her should be the partner that first comes to mind. There's a guaranteed market. We've chosen B2B monetization because we have clearly demonstrated value and outcomes allied to the, the money that people pay us. So it's easier for us to deliver on these services. Why have we not started B2C? A lot of people say, why aren't you monetizing mentoring? Why aren't you monetizing learning? Uh, we looked at other people who've done this and we've realized that they went into B2Z monetization too, too early. early and without having clearly defined sustainable value, which is the primary reason we've not started B2C monetization yet. That's not to say we won't, but we'll get there in a very considered fashion. I, I have uh, two questions on yes, like completely different ends of the spectrum. Of course. So one is the philosophical one. Yeah. Let's start with that. The philosophical one is that it's based on what you just said, the, the last thing that you just said, that is it right for an organization to outsource 
DEI to another company rather than build that muscle inside the company and start doing all these things won't an organization be much more successful if it goes through the pain of figuring this out or at least getting a framework or getting help in that and learning how to fish rather than you know just going to a fish market and buying the fish you're absolutely so, so, right so that sort of why do you think why they're coming to us is yeah, your question yeah I, you know, I, what is what is the right thing to do it it sort of disturbs me that we have to go and do this in this age i mean the stories are heartwarming really uh, and i'm so happy to see that they you know it goes from despair to very positive outcome it's just great to see the work that you're doing but the question is why can't organizations do this so just from and maybe it's a much longer conversation it is it, but it, yeah. there is two kinds of yeah. organizations and i'll probably yeah. start there and you'll, you'll, you'll get Yeah. Exactly. Can I give the other question, which is the yes, other sure, end? Sure, because sure. it may be connected or may not be connected, and you will know better than me because you are in, into the detail. Sure. What I what I'm not understanding till now is how does this? It's it's the other end of the question, right? How does this convert into a really attractive PNL for you? Hmm. Yeah. So okay. so maybe the two are linked. Maybe they're not linked. But uh, if you can just like. The two are linked they, in a way. Maybe they, the second question you can take. The first one should I take? They're uh, linked, so I'll I'll kind of try to partially answer both, both, and both. of course you can yeah. jump in and add more detail. Yeah. Uh, both great questions, Arjun, and thank you for asking. Um, first of all, we agree with you that you can't outsource your brain, right? But organizations still go out and actually seek additional external help, whether it's you know business strategy consulting or HR resourcing or IT outsourcing, uh, simply because um, you know from a uh, from a focus perspective. uh it should dei should actually be organically part of every organization's way of operating it is uh we are fortunate at the moment that uh, and looking into the future a little bit that we are primarily a b2b monetization model um it helps us to drive a certain amount of predictability in our business it helps us to maintain our margins at a certain level madhra will talk a lot more about how we be able to be frugal and sort of manage our levers of cost so that we're not spending ahead of a visible revenue and i'll allow madhra to talk more about that both of your questions are related though uh, the philosophical question is an important one that we should revisit uh, but you know melinda gates quite famously recently said that for us to reach gender parity at the rate we're going it's going to take us another 210 years so uh, again we can't do this alone yeah. we've got to do this together but uh, every everyone in the ecosystem really needs to come together to make that happen Right. Well, on the second question, if you can, you are answering or anything else on this is helpful for to understand because effectively, when you have people as your primary cost structure, I, I don't know what it is, but like a consulting firm or partnership of people, why do you need so much capital? If your your unit economics are what they are, then why do you need the capital? Uh, because in a B two B context, when you get a client, you are going to get. Funding that funding, many of it will be advance, and then you are spending on it when you. So you will always be, unless you are loss making on something or you are investing for some other marketing and so on, you will fundamentally you will have maybe it's temporary working capital shortage, but otherwise. We'll come to that. Uh, we'll come to that, and Devya, maybe yeah. you can take that. But before that, I want to just say one can, more thing to you. Can you uh, uh, respond to both the questions, keeping this question that I'm going to ask you in mind? Yes. Hmm. Go ahead. Uh, it is about sustainable businesses correct you yeah. know you have a really laudable mission and we really want you to succeed having said that you're not the only platform focused on this correct and every platform pretty much has the same mission and vision i i'm keen to understand what's your competitive edge and what are the two or three main differentiators because in this space one alone will not cut i agree with you yes so and and google or others will tie up with as many as, as they many. can so nobody you won't will be do a tied the only model. one exactly nobody will yes. do a tied no model. downside for them to yeah. get of course yes. they are likely ab testing because <laughs> you know you are and why do we need women i mean let them stay at home and take care of the kids you know 
why bother their pretty little heads with finance and things like that? There are many companies like that. About 90% of companies right now in India, they're... Really? 90%? Yes. yes. It's changing. She's right. Yeah. And you made the comment that every platform has a similar sort of vision. Um, and, you know, what's our... Uh, we talked about A-B testing and, you know, uh, people having multiple partners. And so I'll address a little bit of them one at a time and then let Madhura jump in with a little bit more detail. Uh, why we're raising money is, of course, we could continue to run the business and have a reasonably healthy race of growth, but we're in a rush to add a million, dollar, million women to the workforce by 2025, which means we need to do a few things. We need to seriously beef up our investment in technology. Right now, we're throwing people at the problem a lot more than we are, than we should be. Um, and we need to beef up our technology platform to provide, one, a far better consumer-grade experience to our members, and two, to provide an enterprise-grade experience to our corporate partners in terms of you know, back-end data analysis, reporting back, things like that. So that's the technology investment rationale. We're also not doing very much in terms of uh, member acquisition, in terms of proactive marketing and going out and acquiring members. We need to invest a bit more in terms of marketing and going out there. Uh, we need to pay our people closer to, you know, market. if not market competitive rates, at least closer to market competitive rates. We've artificially depressed our people cost by, fortunately, we have very passionate team members, but that's not a sustainable basis for a business to grow. Um, so, Can I ask a question? Yes, of course. Uh, did you assess other means of funding? Or did you directly say that we're a startup, so let's raise equity? That's a question that requires a one-hour answer in terms of all of the exploration that we've done. And we still haven't necessarily concluded what is the long-term strategic right thing to do. At some point, we said, okay, analysis paralysis, enough. Let's move ahead with a direction and execute on a strategy that we think will work for the next two to three years. From a financial valuation standpoint, we would not benefit by raising institutional money this early in our cycle. That's a short and simple answer. Why not? Uh, most of the people, I mean, most of the VC firms, and obviously Ashu is far more of an expert at this than I am, uh, most of the VC firms who would be interested, and they are interested, if they came in at this stage, would actually demand far too large an equity dilution for the money that we would raise. What we do we ask right now? Well, look, we have space for about uh, up to 10 crores, okay. uh, which honestly is a little bit more than we need. If we had about a million dollars that would keep us going for slightly more than two years in terms how of much are you diluting? How much are, what's your dilution expectation for this uh, million dollars? For, at the 10 crores, we're diluting 20%. But that's typically what a VC would do, right? Uh, mostly, no. We're kind of, uh, we would expect, and this has been kind of validated. We have a couple of VC members who are mentors on our platform and who we validated this thinking with them. Uh, the feeling is that they'd expect a much higher valuation. And valuation would, or dilution? Dilution. Uh, sorry, dilution. much higher dilution. Okay. Uh, and would negotiate hard on the valuation and would not necessarily and would probably force us to make a few sort of exit decisions quite early in our cycle, which would not necessarily be in our to our benefit. Yeah, the interesting question is the valuation point is also also valid because VCs will to get into a company will say here's a high value and then force founders to grow into that value and then make all sorts of wrong calls. That, so correct. The, that, the counter that, also that was, is, while it's counterintuitive might also be very very real. Correct. Which is, a, which is an issue for founders. This, this, yeah. is, a, this is a whole sort of debate discussion. Right. Right. But I think but there was the, the issue of grant funding and so on. Because of course, that's yeah, what people that, are going with. Non that's what I was asking. Sure, sure. And yeah. It was not only grant, it's also advance. Hmm. I mean, yeah, if you have long-term partners, I mean, that uh, the IT industry thrives on it. Right? Yes. Which is why, I mean, you know it well, so I of won't go down. Partners but, do. but I have a question and I'm, you know, little perplexed. You're really saying that you will be forced to dilute more, right, at the number you're quoting. Why would any equity investor, whether it is angel or VC, not look for the right valuation? Because that's an independent sure. question around dilution. But valuation sure. is valuation, and it is yeah. about what a business merits. And I'm sure you know what happens in that space, which is probably why you're raising, why you're starting Colosa. <laughs> so. Same Sorry? Say more. No, I'm saying, so she knows what the what space is, it is all about, right? Uh, the headline, uh, the headline, other, which, yeah. shall, which, which shall remain, which shall <laughs> remain, uh, you know, a headline, is uh, the adventures of female founders raising money yeah. from venture capital firms. Anyway, that's, yeah. that's the headline. India's gender parity is here, suppose, and yes. other I countries was, are here. Yeah. So somebody who's reached here, 
when there are models like Aspire for her, how has their financial and investment journey been? I will. I, I, in fact, I want to talk about that a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So one of the slides that we have there is about the US. Yeah. And we've just chosen the US market because we realize that there's a lot of work happening in this space. And they are several years ahead of us in this space, not just in terms of gender parity, but also the work that's happening over there. So if you look at Chief, Chief is a very high-end virtual golf club for women professionals at a certain level. It's a, men it's a mentoring. It's a mentoring mm. come yeah. networking come whatever platform. They're a unicorn. They just became a unicorn a few um, uh, months ago. So the but investment... Are they profitable after so many years? Yeah. Uh, some of them are. Some of them so, are. Chief is profitable. See, and the other thing is, Toshan, the data tells us one story, but then I think we've all had enough experience knowing that India's story is not like everybody else's story. So one of the uh, ready comparisons, for example, is China, right? So we have, uh, though there are data gaps in terms of, uh, uh, you know, India's data, about 19% of labor wages in India's GDP being attributed to women uh, with a labor, with a very low uh, uh, labor rate, labor force participation. If we were to increase that to China, China has a 44% uh, women's labor rate participation and women account for 40% of their GDP. If we were to go from the sub 20% to where they are, uh, that would obviously be transformation. I think McKinsey's own statistics says that's another trillion dollars, uh, $3 trillion added by 2030. So on employment, with the client base you yeah. work I've, with, yeah, that's actually, what's yeah. the kind of gap? For example, if they tell you I want 100 women, are you able to give them 100 or is there a gap? And what is their total intake? Because that will quantify that with the client base you work. Because here I'm not, I, I'm familiar with the industry numbers. I'm more interested in contextualizing it for you in terms of the unmet demand to get a sense of, you know, what the real growth would look like. We think this year is a little bit of an outlier, so, Ashu. Just so, if I may finish. No, but I'll, yeah, sorry. Also, on the education piece, education slash training, because you are talking about considering the B2C. I'm just interested in knowing, is there real value in it or not? I'll, I also mm -hmm. feel the entrepreneurship piece, I don't see a monetization angle there. So to my mind, the drivers are not three E's. Maybe I've got it wrong, but really the two and so a couple of quick checks yes one yes. is at a 3.7 crore revenue your and your revenue per member is 80 bucks and 200,000 members that doesn't add up so that's one that's about crore. we'll end up at about 2.250 thousand members at the end of the year so even if you multiply that by 80 yeah. that's still two crores so you're double of that so are you are you are is this a projection for number of members at the end of the year yeah it is a projection, projection for the number, for the number of members, members. you're saying 400,000 members will give us 80 bucks a member? Uh, 80 bucks, yeah. No, no, no. Hold on. Um, so, we're talking about uh, this year's number is 145 rupees per member. Okay, this is, okay. So, last year was 80. Okay, so yes. last year was So, 80. this is FY23. This is FY23. Yeah. So, it's 145 rupees this year. We had about 100,000, 120,000 members last year and a crore is what we yeah, had. Uh, yeah, it was just under 120,000 members when we closed. So this 145 number is actually trending upwards to 160, 170, which is yes. good. Yes. Second is this revenues number, is this rupees? What is this? Six crore, five crore, four crore. We already already hit that. Um, yeah, this is this is actually yeah. Sorry, that's a terrible looking graph. Now that I look at it, we we probably looked at it too long. Uh, so the revenue numbers are absolutely yeah. It's going from um, uh, it, we did one point one six crores last year, which was our yeah. first full year of operations. This year we're doing we're projecting three point seven six. So you already hit your twenty twenty eight numbers this year, or is the y axis kind of is the y axis uh, something? So, so the axis, so, I, so I know this is a dual sort of two vertical axes. The one on the right side is memberships and members, yeah. and the oh, one on the left okay. side is revenues. Uh, we'll clean that up and send you you know disaggregated numbers. But this is just the, a, even the revenue yeah, graph. We, it's, it's like one crore is. Yeah, we can something is wrong yeah. with it. Something yeah. is wrong yeah. with it. Yeah. it, 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 it look looks, yeah, that's because we've got two vertical axes and you're right, the scale is off. But we'll, we'll send you the disaggregated data. So, it so basically you're saying 145 uh, and 220 or no, 250,000 numbers is what makes up that 3.7. Three yeah. And uh, the 3 crores is part of the 10? Yes. So, which means you're seeking the balance seven. Yeah, yes. and and frankly, no. we don't need the ten. Eight crores, the loss on your projections for the next two years in terms of PNL. When you say you need eight yeah. crores, yeah. you're projecting eight crores of loss. Uh, it'll, a, it'll end up a, a net cash burn will end up being close to that number. That's exactly right. The, burn will be that much. The burn will be that much. Okay. And uh, is it because you want to raise eight? I mean. No, we, I can't so we, get we started, my head around We started the budget up. 
we started budget up. We were just the financial advisor the, felt that the 10 crores feels symmetrical. <laughs> That's why it's 10. Financial advisors should be left to do what don't get them into a strategic fundraising of the, of the business. Very honestly, like I was taken around for a ride by CS, so don't. We'd love to learn from your experience, Shanti. Yeah. Awesome. Can we just uh, yes. request? Thank you so much. You can guys can use the same room. Thank, thank, you, so you. thank you. Thank you. Very so helpful. Thank All you. the very best. No, thank you. I mean, much needed. Thank that's you. appreciated. Thank you and very, very nice questions and very, very insightful. And I you know that's, uh, this is what yeah. we like actually. Uh, but people should be able to understand the problem and provide intelligence and challenges. You know, so and before challenges you guys leave, you're, you're, you're asking for, you're, 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 you're putting together a, a million to 10 crore round at a 40 crore pre. You have commitment of 2.25 from family, which could go to three or so you're th yep. saying. Yep. Uh, do you have a timeline and time to raise this round? Is it uh, we'd yeah. like to close the uh, friends and family by December 31st, okay. which looks like it'll be in the bag. Uh, certainly at the 2.25. Are the SHA signed? Uh, yeah, we've sent out draft SSAs. Nobody signed us yet, but yeah, we're, so, uh, we're looking at like a Jan to Feb kind of timeline for you. That's, that's perfectly fine with us. Okay. It's quite inspiring. The problem is very clear. I think first my thing is I think they're either the numbers on this page are yeah numbers are not right. The financials, the financials are, are completely yeah. To me, they need to really, and because the gross margin at 86%, B2B advances, yeah. uh, variable cost structures, uh, the tech platform will not cost. And uh, not at all, not uh, so in much. today's so day and age. Either they are raising money uh, in just preparation for what you said, yeah. or to get some benchmark valuation uh, number or something like that, but I don't think they need, and if they raise 3 crores, if 8 crores okay. gets them 2 years, then 3 crores is getting them the next 1 year. Yeah. So, I don't know why they should raise the money given the finances. Or the finances don't work. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, the way I look at it, I have a point of view from an investor lens and a point of view from the founder lens. Mm -hmm. When I look at it from the investor lens, uh, I think the valuation for something like this at this stage is high. Yeah. Numbers discounted. Yeah. Right? And why am I saying it's high? Because they have a long time to go to get a certain critical mass. They're not at the critical mass stage. Yeah. This kind of valuation, I think two years down the line would be uh, much justified. But that's a valuation question. But from... Uh, an overall business model perspective, they're on the right path, but have they covered all the monetizable pieces? No, but that's pretty typical yes. in a young business, right? Yeah. You kind of learn as, as you go along. I also feel there's a huge missed opportunity in leveraging their partners. And that takes me to the founder question yeah. and that bit is bothering me see I like founders that have explored everything before diluting because to me that shows the kind of ownership of the business no owner likes to give up stake. equity yeah. equity yeah. unless you are really pushed to the wall so I, I'm kind of wondering, you know, they started out, whether there is that whole desire to be able to cash out a bit. If there is, I'd like to know upfront, as long as then I get a full answer around the commitment. Sans that, because I didn't hear it, my, my mind is going, you know, why? The related thing when I asked around all funding options, if you have these kind of partners and this is the agenda, you, it's not about, A, you'll get grants, but even if you do not want grants, you get a two-year commitment, get the mm. money up front, yeah. and, and you're off to a much better yeah. uh, run rate than you are at today. And mm. I'd like some answers around that. And also, I think the, it's a two-year thing up front, but you can also, there are other financing solutions yeah, available. You can so look at that. Why would you... See, against you have, a committed contract, you can always get exactly revenue. Some discount for a minute, leave that because there is an interest cost element. And, yeah. you know, for hmm. businesses like this, I wouldn't. But I see no reason why not to take payment in advance. And if 
I would hope that at least it's one year at a time. And if it is one year, go for it. In, I mean, negotiate that out. Yeah, correct. And qualify for every single grant that is available from every single multilateral institution on this earth. Yeah. Because yeah. it's free, right? Yeah. And I love entrepreneurs that take everything free. <laughs> because that, that's, that, a that's a good way of seeing, yeah. you know, how much of a hold they have over Shantan finance. is a great example of trying to take everything. <laughs> what do you think? What do you think we are doing? I mean, Absolutely, exactly. We are, Two we are London residents exactly in, in Delhi. We are, we are all working for him for free. Exactly. <laughs> and he's blatant about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> of course, like, also yeah. I will take age advantage here and say if I'm much younger, so I can oh, ask, with com- come on. Ask, with, ask with complete authority. No, but Arjun, what about what's your Yeah, view? see, I, I think, I mean, just, just building on, on the points before. Uh, as a person, I love what they're doing. Uh, I think the vision is great. I think the mission is noble. And it's something really worth fighting for and putting time behind. As a representative of 76 investors, I've, I've actually left the session with more questions than answers. Mm. A lot of them are around business model and and PNL because I, th- I think we asked the PNL and the unit PNL question in many different ways. I asked it, Tosh asked it, everyone asked it, but we, we didn't get a clear response on it. Yeah. Uh, and and that actually, as an investor, leaves me quite worried yeah. uh, because I didn't understand the business model and how the PNL and the margins and all stack up. Uh, so it's not even there on the document. It's yeah, not it's even not there on the document. On the I would love. I would have loved to see a exactly. margin a profile. Yeah. Earlier version had it. Which they changed the last month. No, but uh, no it's not in both. It's it's not, I have both the versions. I, I have the earlier one. Even the earlier one. Unit economics. Not the earlier one. I thought it had Yeah, it doesn't no. clearly have. It so, so PNL nahi hai. you know, nahi hai. my question no is that as a, you know, representing the investors, yeah. is that, you know, if there's no financial focus at this stage, will it come later on? I'm worried. Yeah. I'm quite worried about yeah. that. Uh, I don't understand how it will scale well. Uh, that's a question mark. So they'll, we'll get the technology, but will it scale well? As you scale, will the economics improve? Will they get worse? Because we don't even have a foundation of economics to yeah. start off Correct. with. Uh, then, uh, I think to Ashu's questions, I didn't understand like what is the unfair advantage or the moat that they have. Yeah. Uh, because she asked the question, but we didn't, we yeah, didn't get a full answer, on, an answer on the differentiation. I, either we need to have a discussion on how that will be solved, or I don't, I don't feel very comfortable with the lack of financial rigor behind the product and the market and all these things working together. Yeah, even if it's early. I yeah. think my, my to, I, I was thinking about this from my standpoint, right? which is to say, if someone were to come and tell me that we are the the best gender advisor to take your gender metrics to where you want yeah. it to be. I mean, 20% yeah. and, better than where it is. And we are, we are 250 like employees at Bombay Shaving Company, of which only 74 are women. We'll take it to 125. Of these 125, we'll retain more. Here are the 15 that we see at risk because of maternity, A, B, C, D. By the way, we have opportunities for mentorship, sponsorship, etc. We will sit with you once a month. We'll allocate a team of four people. Here are our technology solutions. And you please take us on. We cost 10 lakhs a month. For someone like me who runs a yeah. loss-making early business, it's still a very valuable proposition. My issue is, I think, they're struggling to make the business easy and good founders struggle to do that because they feel that value is in solving complex problems. Hmm. Yeah. But value is actually in solving one easy problem with minimum headwinds. Minimum, yeah. Yeah. So if you're... I have a exactly reverse thought <laughs> process on this. So not for that, I think in my mind there is a workhorse and there is a show horse. Hmm. Okay? The show horse is the communities and I'm building this and boards. The workhorse is the proposition for the corporate Correct. And to me it's like do you have a diagnostic tool which says what are the yeah. reasons and you know it's an online yeah. tech driven diagnostic what tool. I asked about yeah. do you have a recruitment platform which looks at the matching profile and skill gap so to me that the workhorse has not been focused on enough there has been if you look at you know because the cause and mission is phenomenal yeah. they are very yeah. experienced they, the stories are all about the individual community yeah. member which is very touching at the mm. heart level but from a corporate standpoint, is like, how was your experience different from the other platforms? Yeah, yeah. I sure. don't know. The why buy me for the exactly. customer when I ask yeah. who is your customer? Customer problem, yeah. how are they really solving for that? Or are they, to the point Arjun was making, that there are some customers who say, we have to do this, 
पांच लोग भी कर रहे हैं हमारे लिए तुम छठे हो आ जाओ यार हमारे लिए कोई प्रॉब्लम नहीं है उसका Because we are, we are, we like the space, yeah. we like the where we want to go, but we are seeing clear um, gaps. But we don't know how much time it's going to take. Hmm. So you're right. I, even I am on the no go for now. Happy to guide and actually, to be honest, I'm very comfortable committing one more conversation with equity seekers. It might be four different people. Yeah. In maybe May. Where you have covered this, so it's six months. It's enough time. You put get the three crores. It's enough capital also. Yeah. But at that point, here are the five things we want to see. Hmm. Anyways, first I think uh, Madhura Devya, thank you so much for coming in. Um, just the mission with which you are um, kind of uh, which you are pursuing. I think the mission obsession. That's I think what uh, Ashu has been calling it is is amazing and. to build out a 220000 member community um to get the kind of customers you've gotten on board to build a 3 and a half 4 crore business in your second year profitable um hustling through covid i'm sure the last two years would not have been easy full kudos to 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 building this out i think however given where we are right um my conversations with uh, arjun ashwan toshan and they should add to this i think there are three four things that need to happen okay before we can make a commitment to seek equity in your business okay, okay. Mm-hmm. um number one is i think fundamentally structurally the company needs to get to a place where for example divya i think we are we are very clear that you guys are doing this together but you are not in the company yet as a co-founder and there is a certain amount of discomfort it's not a it's not a if it's a when okay. so when that happens the company becomes a lot more structured i also think put there should be more thought around esops i think 3% because someone has told you is too small so structurally the company needs to be in a place where right now it's kind of distributed equity in a certain way and i right. by the way i totally get it we have given equity to our, our first raiser designer mm-hmm. we gave equity to our first ca because we did not have the cash or we had we had put in orders and we didn't have money and the early toshan is a part first check in bombay shine company mm-hmm. but the money had not come in yet so i had given off my savings and you give off equity for some time right so i totally get it but you need to get to a place where all of this is kind of sorted out mm. right um that's number one i think the number two thing is just the pnl needs to stack up right now i think there are numbers that are a little bit uh, either dated or there are there are error, errors there but what does the entire pnl look like line by line and we all know that this is sometimes a numbers exercise but it's an important numbers exercise because it's a process Correct. the answer is not as important as the process Correct. so for us to get comfort we want to know what you want to get to now whether you meet it don't meet it arjun on my board he sees our pnls all the time of course sometimes we hit them sometimes we don't but his push to us is put the numbers down get the bridge right get a cfo who's able to do it at your stage you guys need to know what you are gunning for in 23 24 at a line by line level right. which comes with the third point which is What is your monetization, both hmm. for customers and for members. members, right? So if it is a cust, I think you are starting member first and going towards customers and seeing how it goes there. But an obsession for customers is equally important to say. Correct. If I want to be the partner of choice for ESG or for diversity for Amazon in India, I need to have a diagnostic toolkit. I need to have a retention program which has these four tech things. I need to have these ten coaches. who will always be available here is my cost structure for an amazon because i have spoken to amazon and i am serving them and this is how it's going to work and by the way this is how it looks like for google this is how it looks like for an fmcg company by the way we have a startup model because founders are keen on this here is what we do for entrepreneurs who are series b series c whatever whatever your pillars are but each customer i think there needs to be a little bit of thinking we don't need the customers right but we need to know how you will monetize each of those customers and then This two hundred thousand becomes a million, and this million becomes two million, and then how that engagement feeds into this proposition? Because the people putting dinner on your tables are your customers. Yes, right. It is it is attractive to think about the members because it gives us validation of what we're doing, which is great. But the money comes from the customers. Absolutely. So we feel it slightly reversed right now, and maybe for the right reasons. But if you are able to get these three things right, right, structure, PNL, and then customer and member obsession. Mm-hmm. to be able to put down ki okay here here's what we were like and here's what we want to get to in 3 years then 
we might be in a place where the valuation justifies itself okay. and institutionally we are ready and then quick ability to come into capital and then you are able to see the money will come in but if you are structurally not there you may not be able to hire immediately Correct. you will not know how to how to what kind of ESOPs you can give out stuff like that yep. so net net we are in a place where right now we we want to commit in fact the intent to commit is very high but the question is of timing so okay. if you are able to get these three four things right hmm. we can commit an equity seeker forum and an episode part 2 hmm. maybe 6 months down the line or at, at the end of quarter 2 of next year calendar okay. okay where we come back we discuss this again you should raise the friend and family around hmm. and maybe we will send this opportunity to our 76 investors and say here is where we were on this we couldn't commit as a group hmm. but if you guys want to participate in this hmm. individually please go ahead and do it and i'm fairly certain there'll be enough people who want to do it including okay. myself okay but a representation of all 76 Right. We might find it a little difficult. So I'll just kind of pause here and take questions from yeah. and maybe input from you guys if I have pissed around. If I have synthesized well enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, broadly. <laughs> no, but we love so, more. I mean, this is this is golden. I've been taking notes and thank you. This is one thing that we, uh, you know, again <clears throat> reflecting on ourselves. We realized that uh, we've been very fortunate in terms of only telling our story to well-wishers and friends up to this point. Right. This is almost one of our first few structured investor kind of. conversations um and as we go through the conversation we're kind of realizing the gaps in how we we're so close to telling our story that mm. we have blinkers on right mm. so this kind of external feedback is helping us to clarify our own thinking uh product right becomes very very crucial because yes. that product market fit correct yes correct is critical and what we found is we want to understand the customer proposition yes. right which is the product equivalent yes right. and also understand how tailored it is to the market which is the market fit right sector followed by customer hmm. like a google would be different from somebody else yes so to our mind when we just talk about pnl and then we talk about your customer proposition the reason the two are important is one should lead off the other yes otherwise there is a break yeah and what struck us as we heard you is you possibly will have a gold mine from a data perspective yes. you do yes what about analytics because you might be a great partner to begin to say well hey google you possibly need x number of data scientists and then seek that community because today if the community is not purpose led we are also benefiting so, i think in a sense from the fact that the market is so ill defined that we're creating the yeah. market mm, and yeah. the pro- and you have a great opportunity yeah. that yeah. Yeah. and that's Absolutely. how it's going to be by the way you might have 20 customers coming and telling you 20 things which you may not have thought of even though you are experts in the field right and then that will shape right a lot of the customer obsession uh, no, what what is hap- output okay. yes that's yes. where we will that's get the filter yeah, yeah, yeah. so it also comes and says we want to do a women smokers community we will respectfully <laughs> decline and say <laughs> that's Unless there are ITC or something no i mean absolutely but we're not the partner for you there yeah. there'll be other people who can work with you on that but i will say that you know the uh, your deeper point is well taken it is something that we think about and, and again we we also need other people to help our thinking on uh, this front I think to wrap up, I think I think yeah. but thank you super so keen to, I think to stay in touch. I think obviously okay. as a customer, the moment this ends, we would think about how we can work with you, not only for us but also for our indirect sales force and sales force and so on and so forth. Uh, but I think let's stay in touch and on these few things, if we can regroup, mm-hmm. we would love to see you kind of close your family and friends out, see whether there's institutional interest. This thing will go up 100% sure that after. By the way, one of the company I can't name him. But of the four episodes, one company got a term sheet within two weeks of their episode going live. Oh, yes. So nice. they're going, and now we are participating with an in, in, incoming institutional in that round. So it is very likely that after this goes out, things change and the story goes out. But from our standpoint, I think we'd be very happy to stay in touch. And um, uh, any final thoughts from you guys would be helpful. No, I think uh, a lot has been said for sure. We really love the mission. I mean, uh, we kept talking about it many times and. we've repeated it many times uh, we really want to see you succeed also thank you that's you know that's something that we all shared in our discussion that you know this is something that is so needed in the world that needs to succeed and i'll add one more which we didn't talk about but which as you keep saying is implied 
is that we have no doubt that you'll succeed. Yeah. So we want to be part of the journey. High level confidence. But yeah. we, from an investor point of view, we want to get some of these things, you know, Fair. ticked out of the way so that we can, you know, be all in with you. So hopefully in six months, uh, we should be all yeah. in with you. Thank you so much. Thank you so Love much. That. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you so much. Well done. Well done. Well done. No, it's very brave to step into entrepreneurship. Yeah. So you guys have. We also have hampers of our own. Oh wow! Uh, oh, how cool is that? Yes. Oh, I thought you were just like recycling and recycling. <laughs> 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 thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Better utilization, sustainability focus. Yeah, I need to have spent the money on buying yeah. this. You should. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> we also have monetization to do. <laughs> so thank you so much. This Can we take a selfie? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Come, come, come. Okay. Come on this side. Maybe this side. Oh, yeah. I'll take it now.